Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As the Dairy Edge Podcast reaches a significant milestone of a half a million listeners, Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnell joins the show with his vision for the future of dairy farming in Ireland, the balance between progression in dairy whilst also achieving ambitious emission reduction targets. Minister McConnell started by comparing the Irish dairy sector to international counterparts. I think we have a tremendous natural starting advantage. Um, and I mean, the unique thing about Irish agriculture and about Irish dairying is the fact that we're, we're grass based, we're grazing based. Um, and that's really important from a sustainability point of view, from in terms of being able to, you know, have a good starting point in relation to the emissions efficiency of how we produce milk. And also it's really important as well in relation to the quality of the dairy product that we produce. So, for example, you know, one of our one of our main exports being Kerrygold, um, the success of that is very much driven by the quality of the product, um, by the fact that it's grass based. Um, it gives it a great age internationally. It's why it's the leading butter in you know, countries such as Germany. It's why it has come got to second place in terms of the second most popular butter in the US and growing. It's because it is a different product from what other countries are producing. Um, it's a creamier um, uh, product. It's, uh, it's uh, 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 much, much tastier. Um, and uh, that's recognized by consumers. And that comes from the actual grass-based uh, method by which we do the, do do production, and that gives us a great a great you know positioning in comparison to our international competitors, um, in terms of the quality of the product we have, but also gives us a great starting point as well in relation to the emissions footprint of the um, of, of our produce, because it, you know we're one of the most efficient producers of dairy in the world, uh, and that's that puts it that places us very strongly. Of course, the key thing now uh, over the years ahead is to, is to build on that. It's to, beca- it's to hold that position um, and that, that comparative position with other countries in terms of our, our, how uh, efficient we are in terms of uh, emissions and in terms of the quality of the product. Um, uh, and the only way we'll do that is by improving um, and taking all the steps that we can to reduce the emissions footprint um, of, of how we produce that food while continuing to produce it. And on that, you've mentioned emissions. And if we think about agriculture in general, there are any amount of challenges that we face. But, um, you know, emissions is, is one of the big things and it's shouting loudest in terms of the, the, I suppose, challenges we need to address. And from a dairy perspective, you know, there are many young people who are engaging in education, um, you know, with the view of a future in agriculture, dairy farming careers. Um, we also see that there are dairy farmers who have made, you know, significant investment on farm and continue to do so. Um, you you make you made the comment of holding emissions and 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 holding our place, how well we do things. But I suppose in in with the idea of these emissions that we need to tackle and reduce, you know, can you provide assurance um, for? you know, dairy farmers, that there is a future in dairy farming, um, you know, that I suppose your department have strategies to curb and reduce the rising trajectory of agricultural emissions? I think I can absolutely assure people that there, there's a very strong future in dairy. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's been the key good key driver of our, of our value growth and our, um, over the last number of years um, in terms of our overall agri-food sector. 
Um, and it's, it's really, really good and heartening to see the strength of prices that are in place there at the moment um, for, um, for milk product and for dairy products. Obviously, that's something that does go up and down. Um, at times, it, it's in a strong place at the moment. But I, I, I think certainly uh, looking forward, we as a country, given our cost, cost base, given the efficiency of how we produce um, dairy products, we're in a very strong uh, position to compete in any environment uh, across the world in relation to um, uh, um, being having a good margin for our farmers and being able to withstand the different cycles that are involved in in in, in, in uh, prices as, as they come and go as well. Um, but critical to all of this, and what I've said clearly to all of the farm organisations is my commitment to ensure that, you know, Dairying is continues to be an option for people that want to enter it, young farmers that want to come in that haven't been in it before. And also we need to ensure that there's space there for farmers who need to um, grow their herd to become economically viable to be able to do that. Um, but I think the key thing is that we all work together to ensure that in providing that space, we are reducing the overall emissions footprint of, uh, of, our, of, our, of our dairy sector, as well as our agri-food sector. That's an imperative as well. And I think that's those are challenge that's a challenging balance to achieve and uh, but it is doable um, but it does require us to work together but specific strategies on the emissions minister like you know what are the the i suppose particular things that your department see that are going to curb and reduce those emissions yeah well there, there's been a lot of change underway and which is continuing in relation to how we manage um organic manure organic fertilizer um, and the, the transition, for example, to low emission soy spreading has been important. Also, we're seeing um, a, a movement underway as well in relation to reducing chemical fertilizer um, and, uh, um, you know, more use of clover sward, more use of multi-species sward. That gives uh, um, uh, achievements and, and um, emissions reductions as well. Um, also, then, in relation to adopting new technologies, um, potential is there in relation to uh, feed additives in in the years ahead. Also, in terms of breeding profile and genetics, um, uh, factoring in emissions profile uh, to that and having it as part of our considerations. Um, and uh, uh, and also in terms of the the, the efficiency of, of of how we produce. So um, there, there's there, there's significant steps we can take there. Um, but it is going to be important that we do. Reduce, and I think all farming representatives and all in farming accept that it's going to be important that we do reduce the emissions footprint of um, how we do dairying and how we do other other um, uh, types of agriculture too. It's imperative that we play a role in relation to that because there is a climate crisis underway and emerging um, because of global warming. Um, that's going to make it more challenging to do farming in the years yeah. ahead. And, and you've mentioned a lot of those uh, strategies that would be linked into the MAC curve. Um, and but from what I understand, that's only going to get us so far. Um, you know, that might get us, say, 20, 30 percent of the way in terms of those overall emissions. You've also referred to that, um, you know, the feed additives and new technologies like that. But unfortunately, that's not a today or tomorrow solution, you know, how far off do you think that is, um, you know, as in terms of implementation at a farm level? We've been doing in Chagas in particular has been doing significant research on, on these technologies uh, at the moment to, to verify them. So and we are seeing, for example, in relation to the feed additives products now being approved for the market coming in the market. What we have to be able to verify is how they apply to Irish circumstances and do our particular agricultural model. And uh, Chuguska is doing very significant work around that. 
and the results so far have been encouraging, but they, the, those trials have to be completed. Um, and then the work will be underway then in relation to uh, adopting those practices and working them into our, our agricultural uh, um, production systems. So I, I think it's it's something we're putting a big effort and emphasis on, something that we are investing in, and it's something we want to ensure that we adopt the different options that are and um, pathway and practices that we can as quickly as we can to, to reduce emissions. Um, but there, there is, you know, there's a, there's a lot to grapple with here, and that's why I brought together the Dairy Vision Group um, to to consider this because, you know, all of our co-ops and all of our, our dairy production companies and processing companies, um, whenever they engage with their customers, which is primarily international customers, um, one of the key asks, and this isn't unique to agriculture; it's the same right across every sector of society and the economy at the moment. Whenever you're engaging and selling product now. And one of the key asks and key sort of um, benchmarks that your customers will be seeking is what what are the, your sustainability credentials? What are you doing to contribute to the emissions, um, uh, to reducing emissions? Because that's something that increasingly, um, you know, month by month and year by year is becoming very much part of the public's um, priorities in relation to, you know, their how they live their life, how they purchase their goods. Um, and the the day to day practices they do because people are aware of the need to come together to actually reduce emissions profiles, whether that be in the food they eat, in the cars they drive, and how they heat their homes, and that's going to become even more of a factor in the years ahead. Um, but our, all of our dairy processing companies are finding that in relation to the customers they engage with, um, and obviously the focus in the past was very much on quality, safety, nutrition. Um, the 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 the, the uh, uh, top class product, but now that alongside that, and as important now is the sustainability credentials and of how it's produced, the emissions footprint of it, and that's very much part of it now. So therefore, that's something that farmers are having to consider as well, um, and work with their 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 their, their processors and their their um, co-ops on, um, and it's something obviously at policy level that I as minister and the department have to. To grasp as well and work and bring everyone together to, to meet that challenge um, and then it's going to be important then that we do uh, work together to to actually um, implement the different steps that can actually bring about reductions and alongside that what's you know crucial is that we continue to produce the food and we can produ- continue to produce the milk the cheeses the dairy the various dairy dairy products because that's really that's the, 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 that is really important. We do that. World population is growing all the time. I've just seen in the last few days there um, figures from the UN that the world population is soon to hit eight eight billion people. It's not long since it was seven billion. Um, the world population is projected to to reach ten billion people worldwide by twenty fifty. Um, so that's going to be a growing demand for food and need for food. Um, but it's going to be against a backdrop where it's going to become more challenging to produce food across the world, specifically because of the emerging climate climate crisis, um, making it very difficult in certain parts of the world to produce food. So it, it means that in countries such as ourselves, which are more blessed in relation to our location in the globe, that we have to be productive in terms of how we produce food uh, and keep doing that. Um, but like like with everybody else, we have to, uh, in producing it, um, uh, minimise the emissions footprint of it too. And, and Minister, you mentioned the Dairy Vision Group. Um, I, I appreciate they've only provided an interim report for you. But if there was one recommendation from that interim report that you would say is going to have a massive impact, what would that be? Yeah, well, um, 
I, I don't want to comment on it yet because I'm waiting on the final report to come through. But I know one of the one of the key focuses they had is in relation to um, fertilizer, chemical fertilizer reduction, and uh, how we can try and make you know changes in the short term to that. And lots of farmers across the country have been adopting new practices there, like putting a key focus on soil fertility um, measurement um, and uh, um, natural ways of fixing nitrogen and nutrients into the soil and adoption of clover and multi-species. And uh, I think that's something that certainly, you know, we can make significant uh, gains and progress on. And it's something that can be done in a way that actually, you know, maintains production, doesn't impact on production uh, or productivity, but also um, can actually improve profitability by re- by reducing cost inputs too. The level of organics is is set to rise. You know, we have a target to lift it to seven percent across the country. Where does dairy fit into that? Do you and do you see the number of dairy organic farms rising? I certainly want to see them rising, and it's going to be a particular emphasis of our policy to try and promote more organic farming um, in dairying as well as other other um, sectors of, of agriculture. Um, we're one of the lower con- lower percentage countries uh, across Europe at the moment in relation to our performance here, just under the two percent mark. Um, the European average is seven and a half percent. So the program for government commits us to reaching the seven and a half percent over the next number of years, um, and uh, we've we've increased fivefold as well the funding in the program for government. So or in the common agricultural policy for organics um, between now and 2027. So we, we've committed 250 million euro to organics between now and 2027 compared to what would have been 50, 50 million just in the previous seven years. So we really are doubling down or more than doubling down in relation to this effort. And there's a real market opportunity there um, to actually um, uh, provide and deliver on that produce, which is becoming increasingly you know, sought after by consumers too, um, right across, you know, internationally. And, and and like when you look at, you know, the type of agricultural model we have and the fact that it's grass-based and grazing-based um, and, you know, w- w- the credentials we have as a starting point, um, we're much better, we're much better placed to produce organic um, uh, foods than many other European countries yet our percentage of organic is low in comparison. So I think we can make real progress in this, but it'll, it needs to be two-pronged in that we, we'll be supporting it from a policy and financial point of view through the cap, but we also need to uh, invest in relation to the marketing of it so that the market delivers a return to um, in order for it, in order to see the re- and to see real progress. And we'll be, we'll be trying to um, uh, pursue strongly both those avenues. And, and Minister, if, if we look at the, the numbers that they've put on reductions, it's 22 to 30 percent for agriculture. Um, you know, that's a huge range. And there's two megatons of CO2 equivalents of a range there. Is there any more in terms of an indication of where that number sits at? Uh, obviously, the, the programme for government commitment is and uh, to, that we would seek across the economy to reduce emissions by 51 percent. Um, by the year 2030, um, a 51% reduction based on what emissions would have been in 2018. So um, that's that's and that's the Climate Act um, requires that we we work to, to to deliver that. That's also in line with what the uh, emerging European um, plans are going to require of of European member states as well. It's it's regarded as the the targets and the thresholds and the 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 the. Um, 
ambition levels we need to achieve in order to actually address um, and mitigate the climate crisis that's been emerging uh, and to actually uh, uh, tackle it. Um, so that in order then to step that forward at national level, each sector of the economy has been given an initial target range. Um, uh, agriculture has the lowest of the target ranges uh, at 22 to 30. Um, I've been engaged with cabinet colleagues now over the last number of weeks um, in relation to finalising what our actual target would be. Um, and as was the case in actually establishing the range in the first place, my key objective here and the, the principles that have informed my negotiating approach has been to ensure that that we um, enable and back Irish farmers and family farms and agriculture to continue to be as productive in relation to producing food, whether that's animal proteins or milk proteins um, or, or tillage, um, continue to back farm families to do that, um, but take every step we possibly can to minimise the emissions footprint of it. And that's, so it's about reaching a, a, a final threshold and target which um, delivers on that, enabling us to, to be productive from a food producing point of view, continue that, but to minimise the emissions output. And so in terms of the engagement and the assessments around what that appropriate balance is, what that stretch target can be that's deliverable for us, but um, continues to back us in relation to really doing that important job of producing food, that's that's where we need to land. And that's been what's informed my um, approach to negotiations at all times and importantly now over the next few weeks as we, we bring it to a conclusion. And and briefly, Minister, what is the consequence if we fail to meet our sectorial targets? Well, it's there's going to be a legal obligation on us to actually uh, seek to deliver on it. Um, I suppose the, the real consequence is going to be if, if we don't um, deliver on it and not just in relation to agriculture, but across the economy, then we won't be playing our role, our necessary role, um, uh, to play our part, however small it is, in relation to the global effort that's needed to actually, you know, maintain and protect the world we have for the next generation and the generation after that. Um, so that's the main, that's the initial, con- but there's a, but there is going to be, there is a legal obligation on all of us to actually work and in all departments to, 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 to deliver and for it to inform policy in relation to the policy decisions we take so that it's central to, 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 or our efforts in terms of how we develop the economy and develop different sectors and to help agriculture and food. But, but like, say, you know, is like, do you see a situation like you've highlighted that, you know, I suppose absolutely we want to continue to continue as we are in terms of producing a nutritious food product and for young people that there is an opportunity to enter the sector. But, you know, at the backdrop, there is a substantial target to meet if we don't meet that target you know is there a situation where we may have to you know i don't know go down the the idea of reducing herd or say the national herd i think that's why it's important to get the the right balance strike the right balance in relation to this the target that, or that we're striving to achieve because it, it needs to be deliverable um and uh now i've been working with my team in in the department of of agriculture and food and, and marine in relation to identifying the different steps and measures we can take. Chogos could done a lot of work in relation to that with the, the, the MAC curve um, in relation to the different uh, and measuring the impact of different um, uh, measures and interventions. Um, so it's about bringing those together to actually make it deliverable then. Um, but it's important that the target is, is one which we can, we can achieve. And that's why, that's why we're taking the time over actually you know, settling on that um, uh, at the outset. 
And I appreciate, you know, I've been I've you know, I've been asking a lot about this idea of reducing targets. But then if we consider the situation like the war in Ukraine and the disruption to supply chain of, say, feed and fertilizer uh, from both Ukraine and Russia, you know, has there been any conversation about softening those reduction of emissions in order to secure food supply? You know, when we talk about, I think sometimes people forget about farming. It is providing that nutritious product for for survival, really. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned that growing world population at eight, 8 billion up to 10 billion soon. You know, is there a change in the narrative that you can see based on the war? I, I think there has been uh, um, uh, an increasing recognition at European level um, in the last number of months since the Ukraine war of the centrality and importance of food security uh, in terms of our agriculture policy. Um, I think there's no, I, I do feel there had been a complacency there over, you know, the la- developed over the last few years and, and a couple of decades. Um Given the stability that had been in place, that that we that and food security was being taken for granted, it certainly wasn't the case uh, in terms of our own national policy. But I think internationally, it was you know there was a sense there was a, some complacency had had developed. Um, the the supply disruptions we've seen as a result of the the illegal invasion of Ukraine have you know have brought home to everyone how volatile supply chains are and how we can't take food security for granted and the importance uh, of keeping food security central to our, our policy making um there is uh, there there is a wider point though in terms of again the need to be ambitious here on actually reducing emissions um the while it's the illegal invasion of ukraine that has been the cause and the challenge from a food security point of view in the last number of months if we look forward to a generation from now it's going to be um climate change and uh, weather change across the world that is going to be the food security challenge um, because it is going to become increasingly difficult to produce food in many parts of the world as the world as the as the um as the as the world warms up. Um, so that's why we, we all need to be as ambitious as we can be in relation to reducing emissions. And that's but again it's about you know it's about striking that right balance because what we do um, as farmers or in terms of agriculture and food um, it's not an optional thing that we do. Um, food production is essential. Um, it's really, really important. And um, it's something we have to keep doing. Um, so, uh, And that's something that needs to be recognised. Um, but like with everything else, we, we, we should strive to reduce in every way we can the emissions footprint of it. Um, because, as I say, uh, worldwide, the food security, the emerging food security challenge over the next number of years and a couple of decades is going to be related to that warming, global warming temperatures, and particularly in more food secure, insecure parts of the world, in terms of where it's more challenging to produce food. To, to change focus, Minister, um, you recently presented at Beef 2022 at Grange, um, and there were a lot of questions from the audience uh, put to you in relation to payments farmers receive, uh, be it direct payments or schemes. And, um, you know, I suppose while it's not an even comparison, um, you know, the 
there was, you know, the questions were in line with linking dire- uh, payments to relative profitability of individual farming enterprises. Um, you know, is that something that you're realistically uh, looking towards in the future? And will this, I suppose, have a knock on impact on the payments received by dairy farmers? And no, that's not a policy direction that I, I plan to travel down. Um, I would have, you know, given a lot, of, consulted very broadly and widely, and then indeed travelled the country as part of developing this cap policy, uh, and would have visited um, each county in the country and, and held meetings face to face with with farmers and march in each county uh, to get to, to thrash out these issues and to get every, to give everybody that wanted to. The opportunity to put their ideas into the mix and to challenge me in terms of the approaches that I was taking and to to have a, a back and forth and a, a thorough discussion in relation to the direction we're taking. And I think coming out of that, what we arrived at after after that thorough engagement was, you know, a, a cap policy and a cap strategic plan which is balanced and proportionate, and I think as as fair as possible to all sectors of of agriculture and all types of farmers and, and all parts of the country as well. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's possible to be able to tie it um, to what income, tie cap payments as such themselves to what income an individual farmer is deriving. I think you have to, you know, the you have to be fairer and and have a more, you know, a more standard approach. And I think the, the approach that we have certainly for the next number of years in the cap strategic plan, the area-based payments, and then the payments the very, for the schemes, all of which are being strengthened and improved, um, and our national co-funding that that with Minister Michael McGrath, um, I was grateful to secure is is fifty percent up on what it would have been in the outgoing cap in order to strengthen those schemes, whether it's the environmental scheme, or the beef suppler scheme, um, or the organic scheme, for example, or anti TAMS. Um, it, it's it's about trying to support farmers through that, and and that's that's the approach for the next number of years. Obviously, um, further on from that, in terms of the next cap, is a it's that's a different um, something we can't. Uh, project at this stage, it's again like as it happened this time. It's something that'll it'll first be discussed at European level and then um, at national level. But certainly, I think the approach we've taken is is a balanced and strong and fair one for all parts of the country and all all types of farmers. And that's certainly the approach that I plan to pursue. And you mentioned, you know, conversation with Minister McGrath in relation to national funding. I, I suppose with that in mind. Um, you know, time is flying. We're not too far from the next budget. Do you anticipate any significant change in the way the agriculture budget will look um, into 2023? Yeah, well, with each budget, I, I try and improve the situation in, in terms of um, the financial allocation to, to farmers. So in the first budget, um, my first budget as Minister of Agriculture in 2021, um, we were just coming to the end of the previous cap and I wanted to maintain all of the existing schemes without any gap periods, which hadn't happened before and um, engaged with Minister McGrath was grateful for him delivering a 12% increase in the department's budget in 2021, which was crucial to continuing those schemes that was then improved upon and, and maintained last year. And now as we come towards the budget at the end of this September, again, I'll be engaging um, to try and ensure we have a strong package for farmers next year. Obviously since last year's budget too, we've taken Additional measures such as the, the the tillage incentive scheme to support the, the 400 euro a hectare for each each extra hectare of tillage grown this year, um, which there was a strong response to, and also of course then the fodder support scheme, which is delivering a thousand euro per farmer um, for to grow up to 10 hectares of fodder, 
again, in recognition of the additional cost challenges that are there for farmers. And that's additional uh, following on from budget day. Um, uh, and also then we've had supports there for the pig sector and the horticulture sector too. So taking out, stepping all that out now, and my engagement around the budget will be to see, um, first of all, maintain what we have, but also see, uh, and what we've secured and, and what we've, the increases we've received over the last couple of years, but also see where we can make additional progress too. And finally, Minister, on, on a personal level, um, what is your biggest achievement uh, for the dairy sector since you have joined the ag portfolio in September of 2020? Uh, I, I think uh, I don't think I can take credit for the great work that our, our dairy sector is doing. It has been absolutely wonderful to see how it has uh, developed and um, uh, how many you know new entrants we've had as well since the uh, quotas were removed back in 2015. I see my work as as minister for agriculture, food, and the marine to to back to back our farmers, back our dairy farmers, back our beef farmers, back our sheep farmers, back all of our meat farmers, pig, poultry, um, and horticulture and, and tillage. Um, and uh, uh, in developing, it's been a privilege to be there at a time whenever we've been developing our new cap strategic plan for the next number of years. And I think in relation to the the funding and the structure of that. CAP program, I think I've put in place uh, a plan which is going to back dairy farmers and, and beef farmers and all types of farmers over the next number of years. And and certainly in relation to um, uh, looking at how we combine that, um, combine the and continue the production of food, keeping farm family profitability central to that, but also marrying that with sustainability and emissions reductions in the, the time ahead. That's something I'm very committed to doing now to ensure that our, our, our agriculture and food sector and their family farms are in a good uh, a good footing to continue to develop and thrive in the years ahead we will wrap it there minister uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today um you know while you acknowledge um research that has been carried out by the likes of chagas um input from uh, agricultural bodies and co-ops um, at the end of the day, the decisions um, around policy and regulation that dictates the way we farm um, comes down to decisions made by you, um, your department and the wider government. So it is great to get an insight into your thinking of the future of the Irish dairy industry. And from listening to you today, the future is bright. Thank you, Minister. Thanks very much, Emma Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Minister Charlie McConlogue for joining us on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.